Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study on the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, the Gospel of John chapter 3. Father, as we turn our pages, we want to turn our hearts to you now. And we ask you, Lord, to speak to us by the word of God this morning. May the spirit of God give us understanding into the things that we're going to learn. And oh, how we need him to work in our lives and to to, to bless our lives and to be a part of our lives. And so, Father, may we know that today. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints of God agree and said, Let me, as you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, the Gospel of John, let me read you this story about a wealthy but miserly lady who lived in New England early this century. When they brought electricity to her part of the country, she was among the first to sign up, and people in the area were amazed. But the guy who read the meters was surprised the first time he came out to see how much electricity she had used. He wondered if the meter was broken. He went and knocked on the door and asked her if everything with her electricity was all right, and she told him that it was. He said, well, you know, I was just wondering. It didn't seem like you used much. And she said, oh, I don't. When the sun goes down, I turn on the lamp just long enough to light my oil lamps, and then I turn it off. And I happened to think to myself, when I read this illustration, I thought it is true of a lot of people concerning the Holy Spirit. It's true of people that we don't really use, if you will, much of him. We don't allow him to really completely and fully have his way in our lives. You know, I think that we know a lot about the Spirit. We hear a lot of talk about the Holy Spirit. I think because of what we see going on in churches in regard to the Holy Spirit, some of us want nothing to do with him, and some of us want to plunge in head first. There's a lot of mysticism going around about the subject of the Holy Spirit, but the fact is, the Bible says that Jesus died on Calvary's cross, and when he ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit, descended upon his people. And now, every born-again believer, we must have the full working of the Holy Spirit in your life in order for you to live a victorious Christian life. It is impossible to do this without him. And so it was Zechariah in chapter 4. It says, not by might, you know it, say it with me, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. What? This this life of the Christian. Zechariah 4, 6, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to do so. 
Zechariah 4, 6. This life of the Christian cannot be done on your own. We need, you need the working and the power of the Holy Spirit to work in your life to its fullest. And how your life would change. Listen, how your life would change if you were to say, even today, Lord, today, a new day for me. Today, I'm going to let you work in my life. And I'm going to let the Spirit of God work in me completely and fully. Lord, that I might accomplish your plan and that I might do your will on this earth. That's what God wants. And without the Spirit, listen, you're living this life as a Christian in the flesh. In the flesh? Yeah, in the flesh. Because you can't do it on your own. Well, that's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. If you have not been with us, we are in the fourth week of a series of topical studies dealing with the Holy Spirit. In the first week, we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. A person. He's a person. He's not an energy. He's not a force. Sorry, ladies. He's not a female. He's a person. He is a third person of the Godhead. We talked about that. And in our second study, we talked about his deity. D-I-E-T-Y. What does that mean? It means that he is God. He is God with God-like attributes. And then last week, we began talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so far, we've learned that he is a third person of the Godhead who comes alongside of us to help us. He is our constant companion. He will never mislead us. He will always be with us. He's our personal spiritual tutor and teacher. And his main job, listen, his main job is to point you to Jesus. That is the Holy Spirit's main job, is to point us to Jesus. Now, you can tell a healthy church by what they are saying about Jesus and how they are relating to Jesus. I come from an unhealthy church many, many years ago where the focus, I got to say, was, and maybe you can relate to this, wasn't really Jesus. The focus was the Holy Spirit. And man, we had a time. We used to say, we had church, y'all. That meant that the Holy Spirit was really moving. And people were dancing around and swinging from the chandeliers and jumping over pews and doing back off flips across the front, like the Blues Brothers. You saw that movie. And man, people were like, you know, Aretha Franklin was singing in the background. And I mean, you know, it was really, I mean, it was really going on, man. And it was hype, and man, when we left, oh, did you feel the spirit? Ooh, it was just goosebumps. Oh, my goodness, did you? It was thick, it was so thick, it was so thick, you could cut it with a knife. And you leave the sanctuary talking about the Holy Spirit. Listen, that's unhealthy. Don't misunderstand me. Please don't misunderstand me. We need, I need a touch from the Spirit of God. I need that. I, I, I like that. I enjoy his presence. I enjoy the fact that he is here and he moves among us and he touches your heart and he takes the seed of the word of God and plants it in your heart, waters it, and it brings forth fruit in your life. I love the moving of the Holy Spirit, but it is not healthy for me to glorify the spirit because it is the spirit's job to glorify the son. That's what he does. The spirit of God says, listen, don't worship me. Worship Jesus. 
Don't worship me. Give glory to Jesus. Honor Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Do what he tells you to do. And he gives you the power to do that. So it is the function. It is his job, his job to glorify Christ, to point you to Jesus Christ. And if you go to a church and you find a church that they're not, that Jesus isn't the main event, that Jesus isn't the main focus, Jesus isn't at the center, you might want to question that. Because the Holy Spirit working in, in God's people causes you to worship Jesus. That's what John chapter 16 said. That's what we talked about last week. Well, another function of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We talked about that in depth last week. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about what happens, listen, what happens to a person when they respond to that conviction and that drawing of the Holy Spirit? What happens? The Holy Spirit's convicting you of sin. You need to be saved. Yeah, that's right. You need to be born again. Yeah, that's right. You're a sinner. Yeah, I am. I need Jesus. Yes, you do. What happens after that? Four simple areas I want to talk to you about this morning. If you're taking notes, most certainly I encourage you to do so. What happens in a person when they give their life to Christ? Number one, the Holy Spirit regenerates a man or saves a man. Number one. Secondly, the Holy Spirit gives you a new heart. The Holy Spirit gives you a new heart. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. Now, is that talking about water baptism? We'll talk about that in a minute. And then last but certainly not least, the Holy Spirit seals your salvation. The Holy Spirit regenerates a man or saves a man. The Holy Spirit gives you a new heart. Man, he gives you a new heart. I love that point. You become a Christian, he just gives you a new heart. And he baptizes you into the body of Christ. And then he seals your salvation. Turn with me to John chapter 3. I hope you're already there. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're there, say a hearty amen. Amen. Oh, some of y'all must not be there. If you're there, say a hearty amen. Amen. Oh, that's much better. In verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees. A man of the Pharisees. Now, there were major, two major groups of Jewish people, sects, in the Bible. There were the Pharisees and there were the Sadducees. The Pharisees were the legalists. They were the religious folks. And the Pharisees weren't fair, you see. Sorry. And the Sadducees, well, you guessed it, they were sad, you see. Sorry. Must be the turkey, man. Well, this guy, Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. A ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And then Jesus answered in verse 3 and he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Well, Nicodemus said to him, well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered in verse five, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now, underline that in the person's Bible next to you. Go ahead. Do not marvel that I said in verse 7, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but can't tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. If you will, this man named Nicodemus, he was a teacher in Israel. He was a very sharp man who knew about God, but he didn't know God. You see, there is a difference in knowing about God and knowing God. There's a lot of people. I'm sure you know some, I most certainly do that know about God, but do they know God? Well, Nicodemus, he knew about God, but he didn't know God. And so he came to Jesus by night, probably because during the day, Jesus was busy with a lot of people. And Nicodemus wanted to have a private session with him. Or maybe he came to Jesus by night because he may have been ashamed as a ruler in Israel and a Pharisee to be standing and talking to this Jewish man named Jesus. Either way, he came to Jesus by night. Now, history tells us that, and Jewish tradition tells us, that Nicodemus was one of the richest men in Jerusalem. This is the same Nicodemus who came with Joseph to take the body of Jesus and to embalm his body. He bought very expensive spices for the body of Jesus. Nicodemus was a Sanhedrin or a member of the Sanhedrin, a member of the 70. That would be the Jewish Supreme Court. He was a man who was honored, a man respected, a powerful man, a rich attorney. He was a member of the who's who in Jerusalem, and yet he was unhappy and spiritually hungry. And so he comes to Jesus by night. Nicodemus comes by night. Nick at night. Sorry. It's one of my favorites. Nick at night. Nick comes to Jesus by night. And I want you to notice something here. Jesus, he gets to the heart of the matter. That's one thing I like about Jesus. When you study the scriptures, you look in the gospels, you can see that Jesus gets to the heart of the matter as he's conversating with people. You remember the woman at the well in John chapter 4? You remember she came to Jesus and, and, and she was talking about, you know, some people say we ought to worship here and some people say we ought to worship there. And I'm confused. I don't know where to worship. And Jesus got to the heart of the matter with this woman. And he said, it's not about where you worship. It's how you worship. For they that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Jesus always gets to the heart of the matter. And Jesus here getting to the heart of Nicodemus, Jesus says, Nick, I realize you're honored. I realize you're respected. I realize you're wealthy and influential, but you must be born again. 
You must be regenerated, regenerated. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to bring about regeneration or salvation. Now let's get our terminology down. The word regeneration is the same word that Jesus used when he said you must be born again. It's the same word in the Greek language. It was John who also called it later on this chapter being born of the spirit. John says in 1 John, his first epistle, chapter 3, verse 14, it's passing from death to life. In Romans chapter 6, verse 13, John calls it, or or Paul the apostle, pardon me, he calls it being alive from the dead. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, a new creation. It was Peter who calls it being partakers of the divine nature. 2 Peter 1, 4. These are all expressions of the same thing, a newness of life, of being born again and regeneration. And just like Jesus said to, listen, listen, just like Jesus said to Nicodemus, so he says to every man throughout all time and throughout all eternity, all people, all classes of people, all races of people, all social economic status of people, Jesus says the same thing to every man. Jesus says, you must be born again. To every man, Nicodemus represents all men, every man, woman, boy, and girl. We must be born again. Why? Why? Because we're all sinners. We're all born in sin. We all have Adam's nature. When you were born into the world, you were born a sinner. You know, psychologists, I brought it up last week, psychologists say, that if you acknowledge that you are a sinner or guilty, that acknowledging sin and guilt is the number one leading cause of mental illness, they say. That's just stupid. Baloney. No, if you acknowledge sin and guilt, the Bible says that is the beginning of mental health. That's the beginning of you really becoming healthy. Acknowledging the fact that we are all sinners born that way. It was Peter, it was uh, Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. He said, in you, he made alive. And see, when I read this, I think of me. And you, put your name there. He made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, you see that? You could build a whole sermon, several sermons, on these two words, but God. Man, Rodney, you don't understand, man. I've got a really bad situation. But God. Rodney, you you don't understand. The doctors just told me that, that I have cancer. But God. Oh, man, Rodney, you don't know. My marriage is awful. But God. Whatever your situation, but God. And you could build a whole sermon out of, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses, 
He made us alive together with Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 10. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his love, his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners. When did God die for you? While you were still sinners, not when you were a good person, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only Were we dead in our trespasses and sins before we became a Christian, but we were also enemies with God. And that's one step further. Not only were you dead in your trespasses and sins, but but you were an enemy with God. You were opposing God. You were fighting God. Man is a sinner and sinner by nature. And it's something that you can't change. We're just a sin. Man's not good. As people want to tell you, you know, we're all good people and there's some good inside of us. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that that we're all bad, that we're not good. Man is not good. You know, it was Thursday morning. I was telling them at the other services. It was Thursday morning and uh, about six o'clock pretty early, I went to Harris Teeter because Harris Teeter is open 24 hours. And so I go over to Harris Teeter because I needed to get some sweet potatoes. Because on Wednesday, we put, you know, because Thanksgiving is not Thanksgiving unless you have some of Elvira's sweet potato pie. So Wednesday, we, we put our sweet potatoes in the oven and we left for church. And we had gotten home from church and the sweet potatoes had been in the oven for nine hours. And needless to say, they, were, they looked more like raisins than they did sweet potatoes. And so we get in the house, and, and you know, the sweet potatoes are burned, and the pan was burned, everything was burned. You had to take the things and throw them outside, throw the whole thing. You, I mean, you ever burn something so bad, you got to throw the pan away. And just throw everything away. And so the sweet potatoes got burned, and, and, and the house smelled like burned sweet potatoes. I'm like, oh, man, I, what are we going to do? And I got to have sweet potatoes. So early Thursday morning, I get up and I go over to Harris Teeter because I got to get my sweet potatoes. Because I got to have sweet potato pie. Some of y'all eat pumpkin pie. I had to have sweet potato pie, okay, with whipped cream. <laughs> Just a side note. And, 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 so, and so I go to Harris Teeter and, you know, it's early in the morning and I'm feeling good. It's Thanksgiving and I'm feeling good, and I go in and get my sweet potatoes and a few other things. I was going to make some mashed potatoes. I make really good, fluffy mashed potatoes. And so I'm going to make some mashed potatoes, get my sweet potato stuff, and I grab a little bit of items. I get in the line, and I'm on my way out the door, and there's this nice lady in front of me. And she happens to, you know, with her cart, she, you know, cuts in front of me a bit, and she looks back, and, how are you? I'm, I'm fine, thank you. I'm feeling chipper. She's feeling chipper at 6 o'clock in the morning, you know. And I'm like, oh, well, how are you today? Well, I'm just fine, thank you very much. 
So she goes out to her car and I go out to my car. Our cars are parked side by side. She empties her cart and she puts her stuff in her car. I empty my cart, put my stuff in my car. I'm on my way back up to take the carts back up to the supermarket. And I looked at her and I said, well, why don't I just take that cart for you, ma'am? She goes, well, that's very nice of you. Thank you very much. I said, well, no problem. It's a joy for me to be able to do this. So I grab the carts and I'm going back up. And I put the carts back up and I come back and this is the truth. I'm telling you, I did that nice thing for that lady that I did not know. And I thought, you know, Rodney, you're a good person. I'm thinking to myself, you are really a good person. Look how nice you are. You did that for that lady who you did not even know. You're a good person and by golly, people like me. It's the truth. And I'm feeling good about myself and I'm feeling strong inside because I'm good. My goodness is overflowing. Well, I get in my car and I'm driving home. I get out onto the main road and do you know it? Somebody cut me off. And I said, you idiot, I can't believe you just did that. And then I drove, I'm going to catch him. And then I drove by and went, And I thought, and whatever happened to all that goodness? You know, isn't it the truth? And we think we're good, and, and, and we can walk in the Spirit at one, one point and in the flesh just like that. You know, you're, you're flesh. You become a flesh monster just, just like that. Isn't it the truth? Why? Because there's nothing good in us. Because it really is nothing good in us. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And it is God who has made us alive together with him. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.